Each month, I dedicate an episode for the Kinky Roll Call, which requires announcing upcoming BDSM kink events. But since the coronavirus has caused numerous vendors and event organizers to close shop, I wanted to create an opportunity to open my line of social medias for vendors and event organizers to send their details where donations and shopping can take place for those that have been affected by cancellations and postponed events. So please feel free to enlist your events, shops, and links where I can share this information on my platforms for all to view, share, and donate. Hopefully, I'll be creating a Google form as well to make it a bit easier, but if not, you're more than welcome to send your information to ladydaddytalks at gmail.com. Back to the show. We are live. Welcome to Lady Daddy Talks. It was quite the hassle, but we are here. We made it. We made it after all. All right, so I am your host, LD, and today I brought on a very special guest who, oh man, I've, I think I've been following you, I think this was about two years ago when I attended Capex's presentation that you and another host put on for spiritual sadism, or more like spiritual uh, sadomasochism, would you say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, oh man, I was so touched. And I'm not, I'm not very spiritual in a way, but I, I think you guys found, I don't know, a real unique way of being connected that, I don't know, I, I was very open to it. And it still gives me chills just thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> well, that's dope. That's dope. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that workshop was with Nawati Tafari at Capex, and he is a doctorate of um, BDSM and spirituality. And so I was more so or less kind of an accessory uh, to the workshop, but you know, it is, it's really beautiful that you bring that up now <laughs> and that you felt <laughs> the touch and you also, you know, made the connection that you're not really spiritual, but there was a relevance and significance from it. So that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I still have the notes that you both gave out. I mean, that's how much it stood out to me. I was just like, I'm going to keep these forever. <laughs> um, those were a lot of notes. It was like five pages. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't lose a single page. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And so just to get into... I don't know, your life story, Coach Feline. I love that name, by the way, because I would definitely like to start out with, how did you come up with that name? Coach Feline. Mm. Um, so, my name is Candace Lydu. I am from Mississippi. I, you know, I played sports all my life, basketball and track, softball and things. So, um, connection to body has always felt very, very important for me, so much so that became a part of my profession. Um, and so I went to school and got a degree in health and wellness and kinesiology. Uh, well, I have 12 hours left on kinesiology, but I'm going to go ahead and claim kinesiology. 
<laughs> because of practical experience. So my last name is Liger um, or Liger, depending <laughs> upon what animal or, 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 or what uh, generation you are referring to. Oh, and gosh. it's a magical, a magical thing. It became even more popular after Napoleon Dynamite. Of course, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's a breed between a male lion and a female tiger. So um, when I started my fitness business, I named it Feline Fitness. And from there, like other feline things were created. So as far as like the king space, it's feline fetish. And I go by Coach Feline. <laughs> so that's how I came up with that. <laughs> I love that. What a majestic last name. <laughs> Thank you. It's real. And the other part is um, being in sex work or erotic work um, for 10 years or so in one capacity or another. They definitely transition different ways. Um, ooh, I am outside right now and I'm also on the phone. So I'll go ahead and move on in in a second because even that caught me off guard (laughs) (laughs) but you know we talked about before we came on after 30 minutes of trying to figure it out and giving a real valiant effort that hey we're going to be on the phone more podcasts should have regular sounds around and birds squawking and trucks roaring in the background why not (laughs) exactly and i just like to keep it safe and stay indoors out of a controlled environment (laughs) yeah 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 so if anybody that's triggering anybody forgive me in advance (laughs) but uh so as as i was looking at different identities in the kink community um from mistress to dominatrix to submissive to mommy to master and all these things um i really feel like the the connection to body, athleticism um, comes into play in my relationship with coaches and what they mean to me, because they may only be there for a moment, but um, the type of teaching that they give to you is like, here, here's how to fish. So uh, when I blended coach feline together, um, it felt very natural because I had been training for so long and I identified as a coach. Uh, But even more in kink, I really embraced the idea that an interaction with me is educational, it's an experience, it's hopefully something that you will forget, you know, not in the egotistical way, but more in a way of that's my intention, intention, and that's my, that's my mission, that's my philosophy. And it's funny, because I was just talking to someone, um, when they were talking about, like, how to have safe measures, I don't know, when participating in BDSM, and I feel like a lot of people kind of underestimate like being fit when it comes to partaking in BDSM play. Mm. It's just like, you know, the more, the more edge play you engage in, the more you kind of have to be fit for those roles, regardless if it comes to rope and just really extensive forms of play with the body. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought was so um, fascinating with how much you, I guess, um, include fitness with your workshops and your form of play so I would definitely love to dive in more with how do you um how do you engage those with your workshops mm-hmm. I am on I'm a co-host of a podcast called Decolonizer Fitness um Decolonizer Fitness was founded by Ilya Parker um 
which is one of the most beautiful and brilliant people that I know. Um, they identify as a transgender man or transmasculine, transmasculine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it was such a beautiful blessing to become, become in contact with Ilya because I've been following him for a while. But, you know, when thinking about what, what does it mean to be fit? Like, what is decolonizing fitness, right? So decolonizing fit means uh, fitness essentially being an organism's ability to survive and thrive, ultimately. And so fit, I have a body that is very acceptable by fitness culture. Um, as a standard of health, I have a body that looks like that from outside, and I have certain accesses because of the type of body that I have. Mm. But <laughs> but <laughs> I know people that are 150 pounds heavier than me and still run <laughs> two miles and I show with hell gang. <laughs> you know, people with different types of bodies who want to um, enjoy play. So fat bodies, people with different abilities, um, people who have maybe even gender dysmorphia or going through transition. Um, people with bodies who've experienced all the oppressions that are present in a capitalist society, right? Yeah. And so um, definitely one of my philosophy is, philosophies uh, is, you know, really thinking about what it means to be fit, especially in a kink dynamic, because all it essentially means and the greatness that's found within it is that the more we can get in connection with our bodies, the more we can experience. And so that that simply means uh, um, paying attention to the triggers, paying paying attention to what places that are touched on our bodies where our bodies have a physiological response. It's it's um, embracing like the fullness, the fullness of our bodies, creating you know the access points to our bodies, creating boundaries, you know, because our bodies are the stories. They they have they hold all the stories, um, and so. In the, in the quest of transmuting body and all of the politics that sit in body to pleasure, then it gives us kind of an, a, another very significant pathway to just experiencing connection. Um, so yeah, my workshops aren't necessarily like, here's how you lose, you know, 50 fucking pounds, and <laughs> like that, you know, more so than, um, what does it feel like? Where does it feel? Can't reach your hands into the sky. Where does it, where's the tension? Is there tension? Does it hurt? Does it feel good? Right. And so just paying attention and being uh, just more present in our bodies alone creates, I feel more beautiful kink shit. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. So how many workshops do you host that you're known for and how do you distinguish each of the workshops? Mm. <laughs> um, I'm really moving around now, so I'll go ahead and sit down. <laughs> <Me> too. Just <laughs> yeah. So I host um, a, a few different workshops. Um, I have a background in spoken word poetry. So I've done poetry for about seven years now, both in like slam, slam competitions and the whole slam world. Um, and I've done workshops around just being able to write, <laughs> being able to not only write, but also speak in a way that's meaningful, 
in a way that is like rooted in like what the intention of the poem was. Um, so that's, that's, that's one entry point. I have workshops in the social justice arena. So yeah. I have a background in advocacy and activism. I was in Oklahoma City during a lot of that work. Um, and so those workshops are centered around healing justice. They're centered around body autonomy and like rebuking all the fuck shit. <laughs> rebuking all the fuck shit that keeps us from being able to be in our fullest and most vibrant self. Mm. Um, so I have workshops in, in that space. And I also have, I, I do dance fitness. So I have a workout program called Gyration Nation Dance Fitness. And so the dance fitness uh, workshops or classes, I call them workshops, but they kind of, you know, whatever. Mm. But they're, they're, rooted, they're rooted in movement. They're rooted in affirmation. They're rooted in mirror and reflection work, right? And so I have workshops there that are rooted in all kinds of movement from fast to slow. And in the kink arena, I just went through. So basically, I just gave, <laughs> this, that was the whole, that was the whole resume. Okay. So in the kink arena, I have workshops rooted in uh, fetish fitness, mm. fetish fitness, Mistress Anna out of Australia um, was the first person I saw do a fetish fitness class. And so it felt very natural to blend kink and fitness together. So I do fetish fitness workshops that look like, you know, domination. It looks like blowing fucking bubbles. It looks like twerking. It looks like, you know, flogging and spanking and all this other shit. And I also do workshops, BDSM 101, um, really giving the fundamentals of what BDSM is. Um, how to engage in it, how to negotiate, how to create scenes, how to create aftercare, um, how to create, you know, importance, <laughs> relevance. And, but all of it, all of it is <clears throat> rooted in consent. And so I also do kink workshops that are rooted in consent. I have an uh, a organization called Project Blackbird. And so one of our campaigns, which we're launching in April, is called Consent Conscious. And so the work we're doing with Consent Conscious, which is ever so grateful, grateful I'm so grateful, funded by this, uh, the Sex Workers Giving Circle um, at a third way and the SE Justice Group. SE, no, it's not. It's the effing, it's effing, it's effing sex positive society. <laughs> not SE, effing. Um, so they, they were so uh, generous to uh, grant funding to do consent conscious work, which is using consent philosophies that are often found in BDSM culture and practices to one, reduce harm, and two, create more beautiful, outstanding access points to pleasure across experiences, across identities, across histories. Um, and so that is the work that I've been moving into. So a lot of the content that I've been putting out has been, um, you know, in the long, in the long that campaign recently for the, like, the past year or so. So yeah, yeah, the consent conscious workshops are where it's at. That's where it's at. Because <laughs> for some reason, people feel like they're human <laughs> and there's like all, all, all these violations. There's all these violations that exist in humanness, and then they identify in BDSM, and then for some reason, all those violations go away. You know, and they don't go away. They just exist in a different container, and the mm. container that created is where the power is in. That's where the healing is in. 
so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, you know, to start, to have been doing actually consent conscious workshops and just talking about the philosophies in BDSM to translate. Oh, I definitely have to say that you stay busy, damn. <laughs> yeah, I'm currently overwhelmed. <laughs> And then you definitely touched on a question that I had, which was, you know, I, I feel like consent and consent 101 and shit, the 102s, the 105s, however you want to label it, I feel like we always make it in a, a important discussion, but you have made it its own lane. And so I love that you touched on why you have made it its own lane and not just a discussion that we brush on for why you know, we need to talk about consent and really, I mean, beat it to a pulp for why we need to just have more than just, you know, discussions on consent. So I'm happy that you elaborated on that for sure. Um, another question that I did want to ask was, do you feel like there were any events within the beginning of your journey that, I don't know, I guess inspired you to start your own BDSM kink events and workshops? Yeah, yeah, sure. I had a little stint in Vegas when I was 21, 22. And in that stint, I saw a lot. I saw a lot. And I was, I, I was a sex worker. I was out there on the streets doing the fucking most. Um, and... I was surrounded by other sex workers and you know the sex workers that were present that knew the landscape they were the ones that held the information on how how you keep yourself safe and I, I've developed a very deep appreciation for the ways in which sex workers keep them keeps you know they keep themselves safe in the most hostile of environments right um, mm. and so that never left that definitely never left um, I, I actually, as I was saying that, I forgot the question. What was the question again? Because I was going somewhere, I promise. Uh, so the I guess, the, yeah, just what event, I guess, inspired you to start your own workshops and events? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I know where I'm going. <laughs> uh, so, so fast forward, and I'm in Oklahoma City. Um, there is like the absolute most dryness of erotic energy fucking possible, especially in the black and POC community. Oh, and I go to, uh, and also in Oklahoma County where I was, the population was about 12% black at that time. So I'd be bored everywhere. And I went to this dungeon uh, and me and one of my friends, and we were the only black people there. And mm. it was white people like doing the most like like spitting in shit and hanging off of shit and you know just yelling and butt fucking naked and fluids all over the fucking place I'm in the voyeur room so I can only I'm looking through a window they can't see me I can see them right yeah. and I'm in there with my home like wow now I have been to sex parties and swingers parties and all those things in Vegas and just, you know, throughout my life. But I went to this dungeon and I was like, so this is what white people have access to right here. Like there's mm -hmm. a whole space for this and they're losing their fucking mind. And I love it. Now, what would this, what would this look like for a black woman? Um, 
So I was already doing events. I call them women's liberation events. Uh That, you know, we learned a sexy dance and, well, you know, we played with some toys and we talked about a few things, conjured some shit, you know, and we're half naked, right? So I was doing other events and in Oklahoma, I spent most of my time really doing um, both like those sort of private events and shows where erotic artists, performers would come in and I would curate the shows when you come in, I call it aphrodisiac. But that that dungeon, that dungeon was pretty much like the <laughs> like the sunshine on kink. I'd seen it in practice, but it was a, it wasn't with language or with container really. Um, mm. but seeing the white people do it. I said, man, man, this is our shit. <laughs> this is our shit. It looks, it, looks a, it looks a different way. It looks a different way. And it looks a different way in all different types of spaces. From, you know, race to, um, you know, background to age to mm. gender identity to sexuality. It just, it just looks different. And so I have a, a deep respect for those differences. Yeah, and I've definitely noticed, especially since kind of co-moderating um, with a local group here in Charlotte, a POC group, it's, I don't know, it's so funny how, I mean, I feel like it's an international problem, honestly, but how we always talk about the need for diversity and that becomes a conversation in itself, but yet when they realize like leaving a door open and just stuffing something underneath it with no one greeting you just isn't enough and why we start our own spaces it becomes such a fucking problem and like this big hoopla which is like what do you mean you need your own safe spaces we leave the door open all the time (laughs) it's like it's like leaving the fucking door open is a start but like come on of course that's not going to be enough and especially when it leaves the door open to people being fetishized being ignored like uh, i mean come on like how much do we have to complain about this and how many safe spaces how many safe spaces is it going to take for you to realize like you're not doing enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. And I hope, I hope, you know, for folks who are listening right now, that that, that at least sparks a question mark, if not a whole series of other questions and curiosity, because that's real. It's very, very real. And, you know, in the social justice sector, that's what it looks like. It looks like Black folks, people of color, um, trans folks, you know, people with different abilities trying to get to the table, immigrant folks trying to get to the table because the door is open and then there's a table, right? Yeah. And so do I have a chair too? And then after the chair, like, will you, will you, will I have space <laughs> and just as much relevance as anyone else to speak? And if I speak and you are relying on, um, you know, the, 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 the just, just, the tokenism you're relying of the inform you're relying on the information and the access um what what are you also taking into consideration that's meaningful at the end and that that shit doesn't happen especially in, you know um and, and yeah yeah 
it, it, it and it doesn't leave just because it's going into kink spaces. I just did a photo shoot um, in Durham for Push, which I fucking love. <laughs> I push have not been able to attend yet. I oh. surely hope so soon. <laughs> Please, it's March 28th. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's so much happening. Hyperstimulation on nine fucking thousand. And um, so I'll be performing this year in Push, and I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. But at the photo shoot, I was the only Black person there, right, out of maybe about 15 people. And we're in North Carolina, right? And so this looks this this landscape looks a lot different than Oklahoma City. So there's way more black people than people of color here. Um, but I was the only black person, and so it kind of brought me back to what it means to do the labor, to be the one that you know sees the door open and was like, "Do I really want to fuck with these white people right now, <laughs> or do I want to do something else? Do I want to do something else right now? You know." Um, so I, you know, I definitely have a commitment to that labor. That labor feels very meaningful to me. And so I, I do take on and embrace the responsibility of if, if there's a table, I'll sit down, I'll speak. <laughs> but it. I, I definitely feel you on that because I, I have to take advantage of a lot of the privileges that I have being white passing and I look cisgendered and I still battle with a lot of that because only within the past year did I recently come to terms with being gender fluid and then it's an ongoing battle being white passing because of course most people are gonna look at me and be like oh you're black you're mixed no way When you told me, I was, I was like, oh, do you, I knew you identified as a person of color, but I didn't know you identified. Oh, yeah, because looking at me, I can, I mean, most people just think, like, I'm Italian or Native American, so I'm just like, yeah, sort of, baby, but not Italian. <laughs> yeah. I'm just hairy like an Italian, but that's about it. <laughs> I love that pasta. <laughs> I know that's right. I love it, too. And that, see, that's the danger with assumptions, though. That's the danger of assumptions. Um, yeah. You know, one of the assumptions that I have about my body is that this is a very acceptable body and fitness culture. But Mm -hmm. genetically, my family has a disease that has killed six of my uncles and aunties, right? And Mm -hmm. I went through a whole process of testing uh, recently and had a lot of um, scares and still do and still do. But I feel like I found some maintenance, maybe even broken generational curses. Mm. But you know, that's the, that's the danger of assumption. And like, that's also the freedom in allowing folks to identify the ways they want to identify. There are some ways that's, that's disrespectful, right? Like what's, what's the chick name? The white chick that had the braids, was real popular. <laughs> I, can't think, I can't think of a name. Everybody knew she was. See the but, first, um, oh gosh, mm-hmm. I almost thought of like maybe a Kardashian, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, she's she's a meme all over the place. And when I, Rachel Dolazar. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> oh, I, oh. <laughs> I try to block her out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, right. I know. <laughs> I do too. But it's funny, even with um, when it comes to body image, I, a lot of people think that I'm fit, 
And I mean, there probably was once a time that I was because I was into yoga and I was a go-go dancer and all of that, but I'm a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> so, so that's why I try to emphasize to other people about being fit because it was, there was once a time where I was actively fit. But now it's just like, I just have a fast metabolism, but I mean, that could disappear at any point in time. I'm really not, I don't eat healthy. I don't live a healthy lifestyle, but it's something I have to consciously work on, but I haven't been too active with play either. So I know when I do get active again, it's something that I would make effort towards. But, um... Another question that I did have was just mainly when it came to like your events and workshops, do you feel like you have a targeted demographic of people that you would like to attend or do you just kind of keep it open compared to those that actually do attend? I I create some spaces for everybody, right? And so money is green (laughs) and this is my work. This is what I do as a full entrepreneur. Um, amongst all the other things people have to pay for as entrepreneurs and earn money for. But with an almost maybe more vigorous enthusiasm, I create very specific spaces for Black folks, for queer folks, for trans folks, for POC folks, for pets, you know, for sadists, for folks who are just curious. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that a lot of, a lot of my spaces are, have been folks who are curious and that that curiosity is a powerful powerful force I swear I swear it is yes it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how are you able to welcome those that are curious whether you know it's their first time attending your event and they have they don't know shit about the lifestyle nothing about BDSM how do you how do you guide them well so there's one part, really consent is a huge entry point into a lot of it. Um, because it, at some point, most of us have had violations of consent, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even to have a workshop about kink or the erotic, having consent even mentioned can, you know, grant a certain amount of safety. And then also having it be a focal point, an entry point to the beginning of my workshops is kind of, is going over the overview of what is consensual. Um, so I go over if so, which is by the Coalition of Consent. Um, if so, is consent is informed, freely given, specific, ongoing, and enthusiastic. And there are different variations of the acronym. I think FRIES is one of them. Um, but I also talk about the principles within BDSM and kink, which SSC, safe, sane, consensual. I talk about um, RAC, risk-aware consensual kink. So safe is relative. So risk-aware simply just gives acknowledgement to inherent risks that exist. And I also talk about PRIC, um, personal responsibility, informed consensual kink. And PRIC being one that actually gives us power, right? Risk being something that could ultimately harm us, but responsibility being able to consent to something that we don't even know could harm us, 
which doesn't have to look like you know something that's highly painful or blood being drawn and all this other crazy shit it could look like someone literally touching our ear and not knowing that in our ear being touched would trigger us and so responsibility to be curious and be to be vocal um and to say what and create our boundaries and our access points so i talk about that and then you know we go to whatever the workshop is but consent as an entry point has been um for me especially and in, in regaining not only a consent to like an external thing to access me but a consent that originates from me mm. that says i consent to even feeling a sensation or i consent to even being in a place or i consent to moving my body or exploring my body or being curious about my body i consent to this it feels like the power shifts back back to us in a way that really healing. Hmm. And then when it comes to people that have attended your workshops, do you have I guess do you have any stories that people have shared about attending your events? With just like, oh my gosh, I attended this workshop by Coach Feline and it was just fill in the blank. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I had one recently that was pretty cool. They attended the workshop and it was a BDSM 101 workshop. And they, hmm, if, if I could describe it, it felt like when they spoke to me and, and reflected, it was like they felt like they had power they felt very powerful after they left. They felt like they could, you know, claim the things that belong to them, you know, and uh, rebuke the shit that don't. <laughs> they felt they felt really good, and they attended one of my shows. Um, and then, like the same week, they came to the Edge Play workshop that I did. And this Edge Play, these workshops that I've done recently since I've moved to North Carolina, which I've only been here for about two years have been with uh, Queer Kink out of Raleigh. Mm -hmm. And so they've sponsored those workshops to take place at Durham Fruit. And so they came to Durham Fruit for the Edge Play 201 workshop. And I saw pictures of them afterwards. They filled out a survey. Um, so th that felt good. That was a, a recent experience from someone who attended my workshops. And um, their pictures were then, you know, bound to a chain link fence. <laughs> with a big ass smile on their face <laughs> like just left the workshop still riding high off the energy <laughs> <laughs> so that was fucking awesome that was really awesome <laughs> and then a perfect segue this has become one of my favorite portions of the show but I, I'd like to ask questions about a shit show story so welcome to the shit show um it's basically where I ask a story of something like basically a situation that has gone wrong, left, right, just absolutely just complete shit at an event that you have hosted or maybe attended, whether it was a scene or just maybe something, you know, behind the curtain of just everything was just going wrong. Yeah, well... So yeah, I always try to see the brighter side of things. 
So maybe not everything was going wrong. But some <laughs> shit was definitely going wrong. Um, I went to an event as what they named as a muse. And this is a rope artist. They do kind of glow in the dark. And this event was, um, it was for Black women who were having a birthday party for one of their friends. And they were there to do a rope demo. So it was me and one of my girlfriends. We came down there and I was, pre I was prepared to perform. I was prepared to get into the rope. You know, I love bondage. I love rope bondage. Love the, the, the intricacies of all the patterns that can be created and shit. So I'm like, oh, let's go. And so I get there and I meet the guy who's doing the rope. And he's laid all these things on a table. So he's laid some knives, some blindfolds, some ball gags, some uh, vibrators, you know, some nipple clamps and things. And when I meet him, I already kind of get a vibe off of him. So I'm like, mm, maybe some of my ambition is pulled back. And so when I go to speak to him <laughs> again after seeing the table, I say, hey, you can do just anything on the table except the vibrator. I don't want the vibrator. I'm cool with everything else. <laughs> and this motherfucker said, well, if you can't do that, you can't fuck with me. He said his name, like all in third person shit. So oh, but I'll just say for this, no. that you can't fuck with me. And I looked at him. I was like, holy shit. I am not going to do anything with you, actually. And so the event goes on. Um, and I get a moment to, was supposed to be doing a performance, but instead I had a whole conversation with all the people there about consent, about starting and stopping and having power of, of what they allow, what they won't allow, and uh, did some poetry. And so by the time he goes up, my friend who's with me says, you know, I'll go ahead and buy one. And so she's getting tied up. She's sexy as fuck. And this rope is looking so hot, so hot. Mm. And I see him from the back of the room um, say something to her in her ear. And her entire body shifted. It got really tense. And I saw her head nod. Like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh-uh, you know. <laughs> and so I went over and uh, checked on her. And she was like, he's trying to put the vibrator on me. I told him he couldn't put the vibrator on. I told him to let me go. Nigga, let me go. Mm -hmm. Look, I said, I didn't think I was going to say nigga, but white folks don't do that. <laughs> and so, you know, so he, he lets her out and she's frustrated. And now other women are going to sit in the chair, right? They don't even know what just happened. And so later on that night, I heard somebody from the audience say, she said she doesn't want that. And this was a whole nother woman that was sitting in the chair. <laughs> and you know it was it was a thing and so what I did was um I wrote him a letter and I published the letter in my book Afro Yoni and Exalted Solitary the book of poetry and antics but that letter essentially said like this is every violation that occurred in the time that I would I got a chance to experience you and this is how you can can correct it <laughs> I know some places that you're going to be performing at and I'll be making sure that your 
taking some of these things into consideration a little bit better than what you do, including shit like talking, talking to the person that you're about to engage with and giving them a way out and not trying to introduce new shit after you've already got them tied up in rope, after you've already got them blindfolded and activated, and then trying to get them to consent in the middle of a scene in front of the fucking audience. And having a whole bunch of and having a whole bunch of regrets after. So that was one, yeah, that was a, definitely a situation where <laughs> shit went wrong. Um, and I did follow up. I did follow up with some folks. And, you know, they did say that he has been more communicative about the demos and mm-hmm. consent and things like that. So that's good to hear. Um, and that's really all I can have expectation for because he's an artist and I don't ever expect him to stop tying up people, but I can't Mm -hmm. expect him to just do fucking better. (laughs) That was actually a, a perfect shit show story, especially with that, you know, the conclusion of the story being that he has learned and we're not we're not perfect because he probably had a bit of a fucking ego about it being called out and like oh what do you mean but at least Mm. at least the pattern has not continued but who knows because it's one of the either we yeah who knows (laughs) (laughs) but thank you for sharing that story i i think i i like having this portion because people just think you know we having the responsibility of putting on these events, participating in these events that, every, you know, we just try to hide everything behind closed doors and like the show must go on, everything has to be perfect. But I just want to show people, yeah, things go wrong and this is how we deal with it. But we want to make sure the people attending have a good time and that their safety, you know, matters too. Yeah. hmm even though we can't, God, we can't plan for everything. <laughs> we can't, we can't, but we can, again, we can make the container tighter. Yeah. Right. We can, we can make that tighter. And um, the more people that are knowledgeable about uh, <laughs> the way harm shows up, and it's, it's very, it's even more challenging in kink spaces because you can witness a dynamic where someone is crawling on the floor getting spit on and you have no idea whether or not or what the conversation was before you saw that moment right mm-hmm. and so consent could have been established for that moment anytime so you're having to navigate like all the triggers of like this is clearly a consent violation versus right does this person still has autonomy to create like what's pleasurable for them and to ask for it <laughs> Oh yeah, being shit, even being a dungeon monitor for those kind of parties. I I just had my training as a dungeon monitor not too long ago through Capex, but I still oh gosh, I'm still so hesitant on when I officially take on that role cuz I knew it would be good skills and knowledge to have, especially, you know, once I officially start hosting my own events or you know, if I want to officially volunteer for other people, but damn, it's a lot of responsibility, but we got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like beautiful practice too, because it's, it's, it's in a space where people um, have a desire to be in their most freest self. Yes. And so, you know, when we see things that 
would kind of <laughs> scratch on our end of morality into like violation or just being absolutely disgusted, that that that, that then becomes like our self work. <laughs> if, if the people who are engaging in it are finding pleasure in it, like it's our self work. It's like, oh, I'm triggered by this. Why am I triggered? Or maybe not why I'm triggered by this thing. Maybe it's just an acknowledgement that the trigger exists and I get to determine when I explore my why. Oof, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of hosting parties, I would like to ask this question before we get into our Q&A portion. But okay. <laughs> is there any specific advice that you would want to give our listeners that are maybe contemplating the idea of hosting their own events? Yes. Um, hmm. Hosting your own event is part of, you, you are absolutely taking responsibility for the energy that's created. Right? So whatever you need to do, building up to the event, before the event, during the event, to stay grounded, to stay centered, to stay in a place where you're operating um, <laughs> somewhat logically, also intuitively and emotionally, all these things, right? But in a way that you can decipher to be relevant to the space that you're creating is really, really important. So the folks who are putting on these types of events, there is absolutely um, a embracing of understanding that this, the spaces that are being created in the kink and erotic realm are going to do all the things, all the things you can imagine, right? And there's gonna be a surges of energy all throughout the, the places. Um, and some of them will belong to you as you curate the space, and some of them will belong, and a lot of them will belong to the people that are there. So, you know, um, whatever that needs to be done to create, again, that container for everything to be safe, everything to be, you know, protected. And I would even say sacred. It needs to happen. And so I take, I take a, a lot of time <laughs> before events. Um, the, the first 48 hours before I do an event, I may, uh, I may make sure that I'm really hydrated, drink a lot mm -hmm. of water, I may increase my green veggies a bit, whether that comes as smoothies or juices. Um, I may stretch, I may breathe, I may write, I may just create more self-care practices for myself so that I can be able to show up in a really intense moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, that's definitely one. So the other thing that I would say is to, you know, be very, be very clear on what's happening, what's present. Um, before a scene, if I have a lot of toys and I'm not sure what someone wants to play with, I lay out all the toys on the floor. Right? That's, that's really important and allow them moments to react to the toys. The same thing with events is to take time to make sure that spaces are labeled um, or to take time to tell people where different spaces are from the type of equipment that's present to where the aftercare areas areas are and the restrooms are, uh, right? Or the places to sit down. 
or hydrate, snacks. All those things are really important. And sometimes when folks are having to navigate your event last minute to try to find something that they didn't even know was there, <laughs> um, it just it just takes away from the experience. It takes away from the experience. So yeah, that's my last one. Honestly, that was all wonderful advice that even I have to take into consideration because I'm I'm definitely new to this side of hosting my own events within the BDSM lifestyle because I've hosted like small events here and there. I think the first major event that I hosted was actually with my Metamore. Um, we hosted a fundraiser event for our boyfriend who broke his elbow. And uh, it was funny because it just started off as like, you know, just fundraising money. But we kind of made it a little kinky with like, we auctioned him off for dates. <laughs> nice. Okay. It was the best thing ever. We basically did like three different dates that you could do like a silent auction for while bidding for other items and experiences. So that was like the first major event that like I basically hosted in a sense. And it was actually this past Halloween like weekend that it happened. And so now getting into the realm of like, okay, I think I want to put on more events in like a bigger realm and more kinky and not, you know, just completely vanilla friendly. <laughs> right, right, yes. So thank you so much for sharing that advice. And I really hope that helps our listeners as well that are curious about, you know, putting more on for this community. Right on, yeah, I really hope it's helpful too. Yeah, and and for you know, I'm also open. So if anybody you know um, has a question, they're more than you know. I, the invitation is open to reach out to me and just ask. Just send me an email, Coach Feline, F E L Y N E at Gmail dot com, and I'll be happy to answer as soon as I can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so let us begin our Q&A portion. So Coach Feline and I basically opened our lines via Instagram. Uh, I also extended our lines with just like our inboxes. I opened our line with Facebook, a little bit on FetLife as well, with just whatever questions our fan base, listeners, whoever wanted to ask us questions. So we have quite a few, and I assume we'll probably go a little bit back and forth. I think some of them are mainly for you. Some of them, the both of us could answer. So we'll see how this goes. Okay. Okay. All right. So our first question is from Curious Kitten. From someone looking to enter the lifestyle, how many labels are there for people in the lifestyle and what do they mean? Do I need to be offended or flattered when someone calls me a unicorn? What exactly is a switch? And give me your top 10 important pieces of need to know lingo. Well, okay. First of all, that's a lot of question. That's a lot of question. And it sounds like that person actually wants to have a session. And so I do coaching sessions where we can talk about identities, we can talk about um, lingo and maybe like whatever relevance that is for them. Um, 
but I will say as far as like a unicorn and a switch, I'll address those for now. Mm -hmm. But I guess even before that, when it comes to identities within the King community, I just think that there's, it's it's vast. There's a vastness, right? Um, So if you take like the BDSMtest.org, it's going to give you maybe like 15 to 20 responses and they're going to be dominant submissive, sadist masochist, um, they're going to be mommy, daddy, pet, uh, war, you know, exhibitionist, warrior. And so a lot of those identities sometimes are rooted in power dynamics. And those are kind of the most popular, the, the popular culture of BDSM. But like what BDSM test org does not do is identify other things such as, you know, you may be a goddess. You know, you may you may identify as someone who is a nurturer or a sensualist. Um, and so the identities are really rooted in what is your creativity. But as far as switch, switch is someone who can both be dominant and submissive and gets pleasure from both. Um, what was the other one? It was switch and, oh, unicorn. Yes. Unicorn. Unicorn is interesting because Usually, p- people who are entering BDSM for the uh, first time, they're called vanilla. So they're doing vanilla shit. Um, <laughs> but unicorn feels special. Like, embrace unicorn. Like, have, have my question to you is, have you ever seen a unicorn in real life? All right, then. Just go ahead and embrace that and whatever the fuck it means, it means. <laughs> yeah, I guess when it comes to whether to be offended or not, I I think it's a matter of context, like the way that unicorn is being used. But that can be for almost any word, which is like, just pay attention to how someone is addressing that term being used. Like, does it sound offensive or do they mean well? Right, right. And I guess a summarized answer for how many labels, there's like a whole fucking encyclopedia of labels. <laughs> even even FetLife.com doesn't even have all the labels that people can fit under. And that's the thing is you don't have to just have one label. I, shit, even I have quite a few labels that I'm still running through as I explore this lifestyle. So yeah. I guess that's my summarized answer for those questions. Sure. I, I identify as a coach. I'm not going to get coach on a fucking test that I take. So whatever <laughs> label feels good. <laughs> and then our second question, I think came up on your Instagram, but I, man, I loved this question. Why do you think tops have to be bottoms to be a good top? Uh, why do I think tops have to be bottoms? To be hmm. It, okay. So first of all, that that question is relevant in, in a few ways. One, the type of toy that's being used, like whatever equipment that's being used, um, it gives a good perspective on like what it feels like. What it, what is what does it mean to experience it? So. Um, so removing power dynamics, inserting just informative educational shit, <laughs> like that's important. Um, and then the other part is, you know, the, the the danger with committing to a lot of the labels is it puts you in a box 
And as we are actively breaking down fucking boxes, then we, we, you know, being able to experience things that don't exist in the box of your identity is fucking awesome. Right. So if, (laughs) if I'm a top and I have a, a lot of bottoms and I do not, I do not bottom. Bottom meaning maybe in a kink scene. Bottom also meaning throughout life. You just may be a stubborn motherfucker that think you can always get your way. So if bottom is meaning submissive, um, submissive not being a lower form, submissiveness is not a lower form of dominance. They're parallel. And if you ask me, depending upon the moon phase, submissive is the more dominant energy. Mm-hmm. because it gives us an opportunity to sit back. It gives us an opportunity to pay attention, to allow, to create the access points, to, you know, um, to experience, and then have an opportunity to reflect. And so whether that's your job, whether that's your relationships, if you're not, if you're not submitting to anything in your life, you, you surely out of balance. You all fucked up. You all fucked up. <laughs> so it, it's definitely beyond just kink it's definitely beyond just kink you know tops who are just you know I mean, we, we usually put certain identities to more dominant energy dominant energy being more masculine hyper masculine even aggressive um, it could be the stubborn shit but you can you know the, my idea of what makes a good top is someone who's actually the opposite of a lot of that shit. They have a, a deeper control over mm-hmm. those lower frequency sensations. And so, you know, they're operating on being intuitive, being a good listener, <laughs> right? Being someone who can take care of someone, depending upon what what it is they're asking for. They're being all of these things. And it, in a lot of ways, they're serving they're serving the bottom, serving the submissive, <laughs> while also getting their willies off. <laughs> All right, and then let's see. So this next question is from that's one sad underscore ho from Instagram. Love that username. <laughs> so, as a POC Hispanic, it's hard to find other people of color to connect with, how do I find others like me? So I'm assuming they mean within the realm of uh, BDSM king communities. Well, one good resource that um, is Fet Life. So going to Fet Life, F-E-T-L-I-F-E, um, finding groups that fit the identities that you hold. Um, That's one good way. That's the most accessible way. Um, The other thing would be just outside of finding the communities, what do you need? Do you need an entire community or do you need a need serve? Because if you need a need serve, right, if you have a desire for something to happen, then finding people who are interested in that is a matter of communication. And that means that you are offering a type of communication. So if you're trying to find someone who wants to be a puppy with you and crawl on the ground and lick out of a bowl and bark every now and then and lick the crotch, then if you think you some, have met somebody with some puppy-like tendencies, 
you may want to bring it up. <laughs> or you may just want to do a little bit of it, a little taste of it, a little introduction of it um, to the people that are around you. There's, it's very possible. I think everybody's kinky. Everybody's kinky, some way or another. So really, it, it's, it's about embracing whatever the fuck you're feeling and being transparent, going through your process with that. And you will create a, a fucking magnet to, to what you want. But outside of that, communities are very hard to find, especially POC. Hispanic communities are really hard to find. Um, so Fat Life would probably be the best resource to kind of take it from there. Otherwise, you're out there on your own. <laughs> There's a lot of kink educators there um, that are um, Hispanic or Latin or Latinx. And so maybe it's a matter of finding those educators that are speaking to the subjects that you are most interested in. Yeah. Let's see. And then I guess to elaborate a little bit, surprisingly, meetup.com has been a pretty helpful website yeah. when it comes to finding other communities. Because I, I think I got more into that website before like I really dove into using FetLife as much as I do now. And then with my podcast alone, I'm trying to make it another platform where people can find events in their areas. But of course, I'm still a fairly new podcast. And so a lot of my, a lot of the events that I announce are mainly in the Carolinas, but I feel like the end goal I would like to expand with, you know, being able to shout out other events that are just near and far so that's why, aside from doing interviews and Q&As, I try to do the community updates, which is pretty much um, just monthly episodes where I do roll calls of like upcoming events within that upcoming month, pretty much. So I'm just trying to make another platform, aside from just having to go on FetLife Meetup, some yeah. people's Craigslist, which is sketchy to me, but... <laughs> <laughs> all of it's sketchy all of it's sketchy <laughs> yeah yeah the nature of the subculture but that's also why I was motivated to do this podcast because I realized we always talk about oh we need to vet our partners before you know playing with them and this this and that but I felt like why not vet the people that actually host these safe spaces for us like not in an interrogating way, but getting to know the people that give us these spaces in the first place. So that's why, you know, certain people that I interview that stand out to me, there's so much more that I want to learn about them and these events that, you know, you and everyone else put on. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really awesome that you are making an admission to uplift events. Um, I, North Carolina and also beyond because it is really difficult to um, connect to the people that are putting on the events. And so making it your mission to talk to the folks <laughs> who identify as educators, it feels, it feels very strategic and very important. Yeah, it definitely needs to happen. So thank you. Thank you. Dylan. Thank you. All right. So let's see. Our next question is from Fireball. Let's see. Oh God, this question is hilarious. 
All right. Is there such a thing as getting more horny while doing it while there's a gory horror movie playing in the background? What's your thoughts on this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like edge play. <laughs> yes. Edge play being like you operating on the edges between safety and danger. Um, and so anything that is creating safety and danger, whether it is a fire or a fucking machete, I have a machete, or it's just a horror movie where shit, there's blood and gore all behind you. Uh, you're, you're, you're trying to activate some real dark, dark, nasty, sadistic shit. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, yes, there is a space for you. Feel comfortable. Feel comfortable. Is that, if that's all you're doing is fucking while a horror movie is playing, you're all right. <laughs> You okay? <laughs> it's definitely a fetish within itself, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. If you go, if you go Ted Bundy on this, then that's a whole different thing. But <laughs> right now, right now, you cool. You cool. <laughs> play with that some more. See, see what kind of other shit you can play. You may play nothing but screams. <laughs> nothing but screams, just audio on repeat. See how that works for you. all right next question is from star orion let's see when it comes to poc only events how do people discern who is and who isn't because let's face it no one can say whether one is poc or not just by appearance yeah yeah um Hmm. I actually misgendered someone that I have a lot of respect for in my last event. And I misgendered them as a cis man, and they identified as non-binary. Um, and so I had to apologize for that, acknowledge that, correct that, and also just be intentional to never fuck it up again. Um, and so, I mean, really, that's the extent of it. How people identify, we we do want to move away from assuming um, like who's <laughs> who's in the box and who's not and if and if we're trying to create a very tight box then that also means different other um characteristics of the person right so you know if if, if we're saying that um someone with curly hair <laughs> can't come to the party then and they have to have coarse kinky hair to come to the party or if we're trying to have a curly hair party and i see them all the time <laughs> curly hair groups how to maintain it how to keep it how to keep it moisturized and all that shit yeah you just create a more specific box but outside of that it's not our job to um tell someone what their identity is or to allow our assumptions to create an identity And I guess, I guess my answer to that question, since recently becoming a co-moderator for a POC, like King Poly group, a lot of our vetting predominantly takes place online before they even attend a munch, play mm-hmm. party, a social, whatever fucking event we're having. And because a lot of it does take place on FetLife, a lot of, a lot of users do not post photos and if they do, 
of course, the only photos that are public are the ones that don't show their faces. So I can't just base my vetting off of, oh, there's some melanin in this photo. <laughs> so I yeah. kind of have to go out of my way to message these people and be like, hey, I hope this doesn't come off as offensive, but, you know, our events are, you know, a safe space for a POC. So I just want to know how you identify because I can't really tell based off of your photos. So I just kind of have to go out of my way to message these people beforehand and see what their response is. Because at the end of the day, they yeah. will let us know if they identify as white or they're just like, oh, I'm actually, you know, white passing, but I do identify as being, you know, POC or just like, oh my gosh, I totally understand. I just wasn't sure if it was open to, you know, white allies or not, this, this, and that. So that's usually how I go about it. I can't just go off of skin tone because if that was the case, I don't even think I would end up being a fucking moderator for this group because I look white. Mm -hmm. And hey, Google Forms is a great thing to have. (laughs) Create a form. If you're doing an event and you have a very specific event um, and you're doing the vetting beforehand, you have a form that asks, what identities do you carry? Have a list of identities that you carry. Um, have a form that says your age bracket, you know, the different abilities, um, your sexuality, your orientation. You know, so all you can just make it that specific. And I don't, I don't see any, any problem in doing that. I mean, I've turned, I turned people away at my last event. I turned people away who identified as white. I turned people away who identified as cis. And that's just what it is. It was for queer, trans, and non-binary folks and femmes, um, black and POC only. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next question is from Empress Ronnie. She does have a few questions in one, and I think some of them we already touched on, but I'll read them anyway. So let's see. So questions for the coach. How did she get into kink? How was her first realized experience? What has made you want to focus on fitness? How many years have you been teaching classes? What to date has been your biggest reward in teaching boundaries and empowerment is the last question. Okay, so I like the last question. The biggest biggest reward for teaching boundaries and empowerment has been creating access points. That's been the biggest reward. Um, And that is the places where people can experience in ways that they actually fucking want to. Um, Mm. And being able to have like very fortified boundaries and access points, um, but also being so curious, so curious, um, or fortified just boundaries but being curious about access points. So that's been one of the biggest rewards. Um, I think another big reward has been seeing and witnessing like the influence, um, seeing people who have had sessions with me, who have been to workshops, been to events, and being able to witness like their own growth um, in, in their erotic energy which does different things, whether that's painting more or dancing more or, you know, being kinky as fuck on a Wednesday. Why not? So, I mean, that's been very beautiful um, to see folks kind of really rebuke, rebuke shame 
and and just be more connected to like the fullness of themselves yeah that's that (laughs) for sure all right let's see the next question we have i think also came from your instagram which i'm gonna be excited answering this question as well how do you react to a dominant wishing to serve you Mm. I like that question a lot. Uh I like this question. (laughs) Because to to have anyone be willing to be submissive towards you is already a gift. It's already um, a beautiful exchange. I have a lot of appreciation for. Uh, But for a dominant, it feels... Like it's going through a different type of barrier, you know, to say that I'll, I'll, I'm a dominant and I would like to be submissive towards you. Uh, so I think that I think my natural response has been to empower their submissive energy, which looks like being very transparent about what I want to do being very transparent about or asking for transparency about what they want to experience Um, and having them, you know, almost top from the bottom, you know, tell me what you want. I got you. (laughs) Tell me what you want. I got you. I'll take care of you in this way. And, you know, again, since we're not making assumptions outside looking in, it can look like that it's a complete domination session. And I'm just dominating someone who's willing to be submissive to me. But in actuality, I'm doing what they told me to do. And I shit, it don't make me no difference which way I get it. (laughs) It don't make me no difference. So I get a lot of pleasure in that. I get a lot of pleasure in that. Yeah. So um, I feel like a top wanting to explore no matter what the purpose is. It can be educational. It can be experience. It can be whatever the fuck it is is a beautiful thing is a beautiful thing and i would want to be someone that they would trust that they could do that with. so that would feel good i would get excited that's my answer i would get excited yes and i guess i guess my reaction when it comes to dominants that have wanted to serve me i have only been hesitant because of my previous experiences I'm only hesitant because there have been some, I guess if they were just like pure D types, they've never bottomed. I'm only hesitant because they are stubborn as hell with just like unintentionally topping from the bottom. It's like, did you want to bottom for me or not? (laughs) Because like, if you wanted to dominate me, then like we could have just had that conversation. But I feel like it's, (laughs) it's a bit of a hassle for them to truly let go and submit. And I yeah. and I don't have a lot of experience with dominance. So I I don't push that far with just like if this is something you want to give to me, then you have to be comfortable with that. There's only so much I can do. But yeah. other than that, I mean it, other than that, I'm I'm never too surprised with dominants that want to, I don't know, submit or bottom for me because at the end of the day, this is all a fluid spectrum. You can be one thing for, 
you know, over a decade. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh shit, I have other tendencies I was not aware of because something just triggers it. And I mean, I've gone through that plenty of times. So I guess my simple answer to that is I'm only hesitant depending on the dominant. And if they are just a singular, you know, if that's like their singular uh, identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So we got two more questions, which let's see. Two more questions. All right. So this one. How do I ask for sex on a BDSM scene if BDSM does not center sex? It depends on what sex is. Because if it's penetration, um, then you you ask for it. (laughs) You, You say, I would like to put my penetrative device into your orifice. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if 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 sex is, or if you have identities that aren't heteronormative, um, where sex feels like it has a more fluid beginning and end, then you need to be specific on where sex starts and where it ends, right? Um, but you got to use your big words. You use your big words. That's how you do that. And you say you say what you want to experience and what you want to feel. Um, and you're not, you don't, without expectation on how someone would respond to it, right? You say what you want, because that's, that's why you hear and shit. And if someone says, well, that's not what I want, then you can either move into negotiations or, or if that's something that they want to do, or you, you know, you decide whether or not you're interested anymore, but you have every right to name what it is you want to experience. Um, what you don't have a right to do is have an expectation that someone should have sex with you because they want to do have a BDSM kink sync with you. That's like me saying I want to go to a massage parlor, right? And I also want to tongue kiss. Well, they don't tongue kiss at massage parlors. So you're trying to introduce something. You're trying to introduce something new. Um, and maybe let's say your BDSM is rooted in in sex, right? Like that's how you get kinky. Um, which often involves like a manipulation of the genitalia. Mm -hmm. And so if that's how you get kinky, then that's just who you are, right? And so the more you try to minimize who you are and what you want to experience, what makes you kinky, um, the more you're going to leave unsatisfied. So just use your big words. And then our last question, I don't know what just happened to it, but I remember the gist of the question. It was basically asking how to introduce your partner to BDSM. Um, <laughs> so if you want to introduce your partner to BDSM, you can go to Coach Feline at Fetish Fitness Academy and the BDSM 101 course. And you can learn things around the terminology, the negotiations, the relationship dynamics, the types of play how to do certain types of play, the scenes, the aftercare, um, and the the self-work and the processing that comes all within it all. So you can do that. And that, that course is $29, just $29. And it's on my Instagram in my link tree. But also, you know, um, maybe it looks like pulling up, pulling up an informative YouTube together from a reputable source. 
Um, you know, it may look like taking the BDSM test together and looking at your results and clicking the more info tab to see what those mean. Um, it may look like, you know, that you already have some things that you do and you just take more time to talk about the things that you do and how to make them better. Like doing that alone can be a way to introduce your partner. You, if you know they like getting head, then you may say, hey, I want to give you some head and I want to use my tongue to write your name on your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Now we got a whole, we got a whole different situation with the same, with the same king. Um, and you may start off as that being your entry point and kind of branching off from there. Like, where can we move in our imagination from this point to beyond? Uh, yeah, yeah. So go with what you know and also maybe do collaborative research. Truly, you cannot emphasize that enough that as a couple, you got to do the research together. Even if you go off and do your own separate researches on different topics and you come together later, there are so many books, podcasts, oh my gosh, articles, cannot even, <laughs> I could go on and on with references that you can find, whether you decide, you know, this is something you want to do in the bedroom or if this is a lifestyle and community that you want to be a part of, but it is something that you truly have to communicate and just have that first, that first conversation of, Hey, I've been wanting to experiment a little bit and wanting to see how you feel and then just find compromise with where do you start and just go from there with how far and interested are you yeah. and just go from there. And that's for those that are monogamous and non-monogamous, truly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you, like, if you like your partner's feet, then you may look up feet fetishes, things that you can do with feet, ways to tie rope bondage between toes, you know, different types of temperature sensations on feet, different <laughs> types of oils or lubricants or lotions, or whatever the fuck. Um, so start there and see what happens. <laughs> And just make sure not to kink shame as well, because as you're exploring, you're going to find your hard limits that you just truly don't ever want to come back to, but your partner might actually be into, but you just have to compromise like, hey, that was a hard limit for me, but you know what? Thank you for being open with me. Let's find something else to explore that we would like together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't, what is it? Don't yuck my yum. <laughs> don't ache my ew. Don't yuck my yum. It's your yuckiness, <laughs> and it's my yumminess. So don't yuck my yum. If I like it and you don't like it, then yeah, just leave it alone. Mind your business. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up our Q and A portion. Thank you so much for oh my God. I, I can't even explain the feelings that I'm having with having you on this show today this was such a beautiful conversation oh yes it was thank you so much for having me I'm I'm looking forward to uh hopefully hearing uh feedback around the responses from the Q&A and all of your work that you're doing just really bringing uh, event organizers and practitioners 
up to the surface. I, also, I really truly believe that the folks who are doing the work have the information, they have access to the information. And so you are doing really, really uh, good service by you know targeting those sources. So thank you for even allowing this platform to happen for sure. Yes, thank you so much. And then, so beforehand, where, what social medias can people find you? Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram under Coach Feline. So that's Coach, C-O-A-C-H, Feline, F-E-L-Y-N-E. Um, you can reach out to me at CoachFeline at gmail.com. Or you can go find my real name, a government name. Candace Liger. So you can visit www.candace, C A N D A C E, Liger, L I G E R.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Candace Liger. I'm on Facebook and shit too, but I, I've been not really fucking with Facebook. So find me on Instagram. Let's connect. I love to be your friend. Be my friend. I'll be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for being on today. And thank you, my fellow listeners, for tuning in while Lady Daddy talks.